0: Today, I'm really excited to have Ayush Mudgal on the podcast. Ayush is currently a senior machine learning engineer at Pinterest, where he is working on the ML for ads rankings, as well as being the tech lead for privacy-aware conversion modeling. Ayush started his career as a researcher in ML and AI before moving to Netflix and working on their computer vision systems. After Netflix, he went to go do more research before coming to Pinterest. Outside of these positions, Ayush is also a startup mentor, and a seed investor, particularly in ad and edtech startups. It was really great to have Ayush on the podcast because social media has dominated the tech sector for the last 10 years. And particularly those algorithms that power the social media platforms are very interesting because those are really what the bread and butter are. And to talk to someone that is in the system and has built algorithms that millions of people have used every single day and is spearheading the new changes that social media platforms have to adapt to because of laws and just in general more platform changes. It was really, really interesting and I think it was a very insightful conversation. So with that said, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Hey Ayush and welcome to the podcast. Hi David, thanks for having me here. Yeah, no, super excited to have you on and and talk to you about your experiences at both Pinterest and Netflix. But before we get into all of that great stuff, let's start from the beginning. What brought you into the world of technology and specifically machine learning?
1: Yeah, I think that's a good question. And I think I have some story to share there in general. Like I went to India, like I I was born and brought up in India in general, and I went to IIT Kanpur for my undergraduate studies. I joined in 2012. Around that time, I think as a typical Indian, like I, I think there are only two options like engineering or do you want to do medical sciences? and I chose engineering because I was good in mathematics and bad in biology. So mm-hmm. that's how I en- ended up being at IIT Kanpur and I, I got into computer science. so I was like in computer science and computers did fascinate me. I was not sure about other branches of engineering. So I ended up at Kanpur. But in 2012, I think machine learning was not that active in general. So when I joined, I don't think it was as prominent in India at least as what it is here today in general. So I think my first year was just like normal computer science. In my second year, I think I got an opportunity to work on like program synthesis and tutoring system, which was a very cool idea in general. The idea was around, can you automate the process of teaching programming to students by giving them hints on the lines of what they are thinking? So that was a good problem where we collaborated with microsoft research in redmond but even around that time i think the tools that we were doing were pretty different than how the field has changed with new LLMs in general so if i look back from 2015 14 i think things have drastically changed in machine learning and how things are being approached And we were doing a very different methodology around that time. And then I was lucky to intern at Carnegie Mellon on a similar, similar domain, similar theme. But when I was at Carnegie, I could see like machine learning, like I had a big eye opener. Mm -hmm. And and I was also lucky, like IIT Kanpur being one of the top institutes in India. We did have faculty experienced in machine learning coming in around that time, and that gave us that gave me a good good background to pick up. So that's where I picked it up. But then. When I was graduating, I was like, do I want what field do I want to do in? Like these are two different fields, but today those two fields might have converged together in some sense. But then I decided to do, do a master's to figure out what I want to do. So I ended up landing up at Columbia. And at Columbia, I was, I think Columbia had a strong faculty in NLP in general, like natural language. And I got to work on different aspects of summarization, but things that we were doing in NLP in 2017 is totally different than what's happening today. So I think field has advanced, but yeah, I think I worked on NLP. I got to work at Netflix during that time on computer vision and I was doing a bit of object detection. So those were like different areas. But when I graduated from there, I had made up my mind that I think industry is where i wanted to be not necessarily right. being an academy or doing some research and then i went to pinterest pinterest was a good good sweet spot like it was not too big not too small i knew that it's going to ipo so there was a big bit of cushion it was still free <laughs> ipo in that perspective but i knew it's yeah. going to about to get ipo and that's that's how i joined pinterest totally different than what I was doing in recommendation systems, specifically ads. Like around that time, there was a big push for Pinterest to do the ads business. And that's where all the hiring was happening. And that's how I ended up being in ads. And and, and I loved it so far. I've been there same team over six years. So like, and I've been at the same team, so I love what I've been doing. And Mm -hmm. yeah, that's what I think a bit of my background in general. Yeah.
0: No, for sure. That makes sense. And definitely a lot to unpack there. I think, uh, you know, for people who don't know, uh, you know, IIT is is one of the best, you know, they have a bunch of branches in India, but, you know, they're some of the best uh, engineering talent uh, in the world. Um, and, you know, they've already made such a big impact in Silicon Valley and they continue to do that. So definitely your story of, you know, going into IIT and, uh, you know, eventually coming to the Bay Area is something I think a lot of IIT graduates share. Um, and I think you know it's 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 been really interesting to see uh, you know how much even in the last five ten years you know not only how much talent is coming to the Bay Area but how much talent also building companies in India now as well that are that are competing on a global scale. So uh, definitely you know that 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 makes a lot of sense. And um, I think you know it's funny you mentioned about machine learning and AI. And I think uh, when I first came uh, you know to the University of Waterloo in 2016, of course you know it was still relatively big then people were talking about it and i was even at that time i was like very excited pretty bullish on it i thought that it was definitely going to make a you know very interesting feel to get into and then it'll make a big impact but nowadays it's gone on a completely different level you know it's on a, a hype train now so <laughs> it's been really interesting to see how much the it's grown and, and the exponential growth in the last year uh and i'm excited to see where where it goes in the future as well
1: yeah i think yeah thanks for like the pitch for i thanks for the hard but yeah i think even when i was at netflix right like people were reading about like attention is all you need in 2018 but they never knew that this is like how how it will end up in like 5 years down the line like changing everything in general and and that that's amazing and i think i think the hard work was being done for a long time i think it's connecting to product now in general that you can see some of its implications widely and that, mm-hmm. that's a cool thing in general
0: Totally. Yeah. And I'm sure like, you know, you you mentioned you've done a couple of research positions in the past before you got into industry, but I'm sure there were a lot of, you know, concepts and principles in your research that you might've seen, like, especially, you know, a couple of years ago with LLMs and this generative AI, but you may have not actually thought, you may have not seen like, oh, wow, this, you know, this can actually be productized like it has been. Right. And I think that's, that's, what's been really interesting is that a lot of these advancements aren't necessarily new ones, but they're new in the product realm of things, which makes it really exciting.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally.
0: Um, but yeah, you know, going into, you know, so you mentioned, okay, you joined Pinterest pre-IPO, of course, that's a, a good time to join. But in general, you know, I, I think in Silicon Valley, especially, you have so many different options, so many different companies to work at, you know, you're small startups, big startups, uh, you know, big companies. So like in general, what have... You know what has been your thought process or the logic you've used to decide on what to pursue next and and what have you let guide your guide yourself into making those decisions
1: yeah i think that's a good question i think one thing that always like what do i want to learn next in general right like when i was joining outside you know, like outside like academia in general like i didn't have any industry experience and exposure of that magnitude in general so So I wanted to be at a place where I could learn from people which had like a good enough tech stack because personally I was not like building the software behind it in general. I was not that kind of a person around that time. So I wanted like something that has a good tech stack in general, not too complicated. Like I know like Google and Facebook have probably solved all the problems. So someone which is still trying to find and solve some problems. I think that's where I think the speed slot for me was at Pinterest and then I can learn from other people in general. So that was something like, going for a very small company at least around that time was this factor like i myself i'm not confident in delivering everything end to end so maybe like something where i can learn from others was something that i wanted to do not necessarily i want to be at that same situation like it might change over time but like that's what promoted me to go at pinterest and then uh, around that time i think i had like I was considering between Pinterest and rubric like Rubrik was also about to IPO it hasn't IPO yet but I think it's about to IPO but yeah I think the thing that played for me was like I wanted to do machine learning and I think that's where I decided okay at Pinterest I could see myself doing machine learning which I was not sure about at Rubrik, even though they have a good product so I think what do you want to do next in terms of technology and then I think that's the thing that probably also motivates and then I was lucky to have a senior at Pinterest in the same team who who I trusted. So since he was working, I could just okay. he is there, I can also join the company. It makes sense. And yeah, I think having the network of people and then trust there in general, I think that promoted me to like join Pinterest in some sense.
0: Totally. No, that that makes a lot of sense. I think um yeah, you know, optimizing for of course, you know, working with smart people that you that you know and trust is, is one thing and then Finding uh, different companies where you know you can contribute, make a make a you know make a difference, whether it be in their tech stack or whether it be into the problem that they're solving is definitely really interesting, and I think um, that makes a lot of sense. But let's let's get into it then. You know, let's talk about your experience building at Pinterest, like you mentioned. Uh, you've been there for a while now, and you know I, I found it really interesting that. In an article around eight years ago, The Atlantic stated that Pinterest is going to be one of the four ways that people find things on the internet. Uh, and, and basically, you know, adding on to that, what they mentioned is like Google is sort of your default—you search for things, you find it. Uh, and for real-time searches, you have Twitter, where things are trending, and you get to figure out what's happening in the world today. And then for people or, or entities and companies, you you have Facebook, and now I think it's sort of divulged also into Instagram a little bit. Um, but, you know, when it comes to finding things and objects, they said that Pinterest is, is going to be or is the way to go uh, to find things and objects on the Internet. And so, you know, I, of course, you know, that was eight years ago. Pinterest has evolved a lot <laughs> over the years. But when you look at Pinterest today, do you, do you think that still stays true or do you think it's changed now?
1: So i think it still stays true in general like pinterest is still the visual discovery engine i think that's the aspect i think that pinterest has unique to it is that one is like it's a user like most of the content is like created by the users themselves in general so what they like so there's some bit of like quality in there in general like you know okay this is the user and this is the popularity of these content so that's like one important thing but also it's like how i want to pitch is also like when you go to Google, you know exactly what you're trying to search in words, but sometimes you cannot represent things in words in general. You have some idea, but you cannot represent them or express them in words that easily. I think that's where Pinterest comes in, being more of like a visual discovery engine. So if you have some images, you get to start, and then you can move around the web of images in general, and you can discover. It's mostly on that discovering phase. The other positive part I see is that I think there was a study in 2018 around like by talk shop that mentioned about like 95, 91% of pinners feel positive about Pinterest and their use case. So that's like one thing that I feel very positive is that when I spend time on Pinterest, I don't feel that I'm wasting time or something like that. Like it, it's like, you have a very personal space in general, like you are you are in that space, you don't need to worry about like getting more likes or getting more like comments or some, something like that. So I think that's unique to Pinterest. And I think that, that's something I'm, I'm happy about in general. And I think recently, I, I think Pinterest also partnered with like half story a nonprofit in general, where they're trying to promote, like having purpose in general, trying to cater the content, promoting like digital well-being in general, like making sure. I think one of the mission of Pinterest is also to ensure that you give people inspiration to do something in the life. So it's not about being on the platform, but also like learning from the platform, going around and trying to trying to do things. Maybe it's painting or like something else like planning for your travels, I think that's like um, like a motivation, that's positive in some sense.
0: Right, right. That makes a lot of sense. And I think, you know, one of the areas you touched on there is, you know, the recommendation of content, right? And, uh, and, and I think with all social media, that's sort of the huge differentiating factor. Um, where you know we're getting to a point where before users used to search for exactly what they want but at this point users expect that they just go on the home page and, and they basically see that unless they're looking for something very very specific um, and you know especially we, we've seen in the last couple of years something like uh, TikTok has grown rapidly because of their uh, you know their approach with their algorithm and and, and how much it's able to uh, capture people's different personalities and and, and what they want so know i of course pinterest is also industry leading as well so you know as someone with exposure to to building that algorithm like how do you how do you think about this problem about finding the right recommendation for your users
1: yeah i think personalization is like very crucial in that respect And, and i think because you have a big corpus of content that you can show but then not all users are interested in the content so you need to connect content and users in a seamless way and that's where i think the entire machine learning or this complex algorithms go into picture to figuring out what the user's diverse interests are and and the other part is those interests can change over time like it's not that you know a user but your understanding of the user is temporal it can keep changing and it's important for platform to understand like how, how is it changing over time and how it impacts the user so sometimes you might be in a short journey you're just interested in let's say finding something to paint but maybe next month you don't want to do that so how do you like do it in a more real-time manner capture these understanding from the users and then there are like ton off like machine learning algorithms that go behind it i can go into more details but also it's important to understand like once you develop this system it's important to understand like how do you measure it in general like is it helping your users or not like how do you develop those metrics in general like how do you measure like user satisfaction, which can be both short term and long term? And it's it's an entire complex thing in itself. Like it could be just clicks, but then clicks could not be a total factor. It could be something like how often do people save, how often do people hide. So I think it's it's more about that. And then you also need to give users like users' ability to give the model to unlearn itself something. Like, let's say if you are looking for like if you're looking for like your wedding clothes or something like that, but when wedding happens, you don't want that content to keep coming again and again because the event has gone. So you need a right. you need a way where people can interpret and like intervene and change change your understanding of the system. And then I think Pinterest, like one thing that I feel was is good about Pinterest, like Pinterest is like multi modal in general. Like it has images. Images are backed by text content. And one of the things is how you set up this personalization, right? Like what kind of features you can collect from 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 users. Like for TikTok, right? Like when you have TikTok, you're only seeing one video in general, so it's easy for TikTok to collect signals of user interaction. But if you go to Google, like Google has maybe a bunch of text, like like if you search, there are a bunch of query, like bunch of results that are there. Then how do you know which one is the user clicking or seeing? So So having the right surface to collect this feedback is important. And at Pinterest, I think we have multiple surfaces collecting different kinds of feedbacks. And that helps you to generate this kind of personalization system, which is crucial to connect people in general.
0: Right, right. I think, you know, one interesting, uh, actually one interesting point you mentioned there is like, yeah, like, you know, somebody could be planning for a wedding, right? Or they, you know, for six months, they just focus on finding wedding content uh, but then, of course, after they get married, it's a whole different suite of content they're looking for. They're not really as interested in the wedding stuff. So that's a really interesting problem, I think, in terms of recommendations, like finding timed events and, and knowing when to switch your content. So what do you think about it from, from developing you know, your, your ML what are What are some ways you think you'd tackle that problem? Yeah, I think there's some
1: of the ways that the industry is doing is like, you maintain a very like a short term memory of the user. So it's about like whatever you're interacting, maybe today or a day before. So that's one memory. And then you also maintain a long term memory, which goes beyond like maybe two months, three months of what they have interacted in general. So so now it's a combination of these two in general. So if you see that and you can compare diversity across your whatever content you're showing and how the person is reacting, like if you're showing the same things, but like the person is not reacting positively, you can start to demote de- de- those content in general through algorithms. So having both like a short-term, long-term kind of memory. And then also not only optimizing for current rewards in general, like not just optimizing for like point, point rewards like just clicks, but maybe also looking into like, how often does the user come back to the app or not in general, how often are they active in general? So I think those are the things you can also optimize in general to to make it more diverse. And also at times you need to keep it diverse in general. It's not about you show. Like if you're looking for, let's say Nike shoes and that's your interest, you don't want to bombard with everything Nike shoes. And, and that's also like, you need to have some kind of diversity in general about like the content that you're showing in general.
0: Right, that makes a lot of sense. And I think, uh, you know, one 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 thing that's also really interesting and you sort of touched on there is how diverse content is getting, right? And I think we're re- reaching a point where seemingly each niche has a decent size that sized audience. You know, I think um it's really interesting, whether it's in social media and, and, and just general content, or you know, it's in something like a startup, like you know, like what I'm doing. There's so many different problem spaces spaces that have that have you know billion dollar markets that people don't even think about because there's just a seems to be an audience that that's growing in, in a bunch of different spaces. So, you know, you have we have a bunch of content. Which is pretty diverse, and you have a niche with a decent-sized audience, and then you also have a range of diversity of advertisers as well, right? which have some more niche products, and they want to advertise it to them. So, you know, when you think about classifications of users into into categories, essentially, in in order to serve those ads to your users and and serving specialized ad recommendations, I I, I think the problem can get very interesting because you know you can you can keep going down and down the rabbit hole. But at the same time, you want to make sure your ads are still general enough so that they're that they're you know able to reach a general audience or a bigger audience. So, how do you you know how do you keep those categories for classification general while still serving ads with the highest overlap? Yeah, I think that's a like, that's a
1: great problem in general, and I think that's a very relevant problem that I think ads ads companies in general face. So I think. In general, I think ads are still easier, I would say, than organic content to understand this type of city because for an ads recommendation, advertisers can still be given these levers that they want to target in general. So you can have, okay, advertisers know what their target audiences are, so you can have these levers that they can use. And some of them can be very simple like, like age, location in general, but then then you do, these are like very restrictive in general you cannot like target to the right audience then i think there is this concept of interest in general like depending on we have like annotations on pins in general like what kind of content a pin is and then when the users interacts with those pins we get an understanding of the user behavior of what, what the user behaviors are and this is something like interest and you can have like 20000 30000 interest that you can compute for for the content that's on pinterest with this, you can now provide this interest also to the advertisers to share, okay, these are what we have categorized the users and they can select what works best for them. But then there's another concept, what is like called as act-alike targeting or like act-alike. If let's say advertisers know, okay, these are five different people okay. who have interacted with my product. I want to find us- users who are similar to these users in general for targeting. So that's where like machine learning also comes into play to identify users Based on their activity or other other demographics, like who are more common to a user that the advertiser knows, so then then they can probably expand their reach to these users. Then you can mm-hmm. also do like kind of like in keywords kind of structures, like something like it, like you probably don't want to show like car ads everywhere, but if you're searching for car, you want cars, so you can do like keywords there. And I think that's where I think the machine learning also comes into place. Like you don't want the advertisers to input all the keywords so you need to suggest what different keywords it could be like Car could also be mapped to synonyms like vehicles or something else so then how do you have like an expanded list of words that can target to a similar audience in general i think those are like some of the ways which i think levers which advertisers have and the platform can can provide so as we start i think it's easier to build the easier products in general like age location and those things but as the product grows like your offerings can, can kind of increases and then the other offerings that companies have is like, what happens if you choose choose this filter? Like, what's your age? Like, how many users are you able to get to? What's the kind of performance you can predict? So those kind of planning work that happens around, like, what's your estimate? Like, if you, if you choose this kind of like diversity, like this kind of like distribution, like how many how many users can you reach? And then that's like kind of kind of work, can can help them to decide like whether whether this works for their perspective of of delivering or not
0: right right that makes sense but yeah you know, i I think one of the interesting um you know aspects you mentioned there is that you know you can have twenty to thirty thousand interests right that 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 your user has or that uh you know this the advertiser has and and i I think what can be interesting there is like for example in, in the startup world right you can have startups you can have b2c startups you can have consumer startups and you can just keep going down and down the rabbit hole right you can go like software startups and 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 hard tech and deep tech startups and there's like this you can just keep going down the category um and i think what's interesting there and and this might be i guess more of a ui or or like a product issue more than a than an engineering issue is like how do you keep that uh how do you keep that deep classification so your algorithms can train off of that but at the same time Offer simplicity to both the user and the and, and especially the advertisers who are advertising on your platform, where you know if they are you know something like Brex for example that makes credit card for startups, you know they can just say okay I want the startup category rather than I want having to list all these different interests with the specific ones. That's a really interesting problem that way.
1: Yeah, I think one way I think that could happen is like you know what Brex is. You input your description then you order suggest like these are the interests that might fall into your category and then maybe you can exclude stuff in general like this one doesn't make sense but like how deep do you want to go into i think having that ux as you said i think that's critical because the interest could be large you need to make sure that you know the choices you're making in general while deciding the interest and i think that that's yeah i think it's a fundamental problem
0: that in general mm-hmm. totally yeah and i think you know like you mentioned there nlp will be even more essential yeah. right like um yeah, you could even go so far to say okay tell me about your company tell me sort of what demographic and then like you put that through your model your model actually determines where that looks like and the interest it classifies the uh the input there uh using nlp and, and machine learning and then it's able to of course uh put it through the recommendation systems as well so super interesting i i think um there's a lot of big changes also coming into the advertising space uh, and we can sort of touch on this a little bit later Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's quite a, it's, it's quite an interesting space for sure. Um, and I think in general, you know, if we if we look at any social media, the paid ads and the journey that users take on the platform is, 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 the bread and butter of social media apps. Um, but we're reaching a point where the customer journey is being more difficult. It is a more difficult path to measure. With you know disjointed devices or, or restrictions on the browser level in terms of tracking customers now with you know cookies and, and other uh, levers there so you know there's this new concept of, of, of this you know privacy aware uh, conversion modeling that that comes into play and so I was just wondering you know given your experience because it seems like you have you know some work with that in Pinterest you know how does you how do you think about using ML to fill those gaps of, of the customer journey and path yeah. Yeah, I think that's yeah. I think the
1: entire ad industry has been like changing in that respect. I mean, that's probably going for maybe more than two years, or like one and after two years, and there are some changes that are being brought in by regulators and like, companies alike in general to happen. But one thing that we need to remember is also like ads industry sustain a lot of businesses. Like not only social media, but it connects businesses with users, bringing them the right products in general. And, without having like insight of that. I think it's like the entire industry is dependent in some way in general to bring bring this connection. So I think the good thing that's happening is like people are realizing that the data is important. And I think the thing that's happening is the users have more freedom to choose how they want to share the data. So that awareness is happening. Like you can choose how you want your data to be shared with whom in general. And that that's a good power that's happening in the industry. And where ML is going to ha- like help us, like ML can help us in like more generalization capabilities in general. Because it's not about knowing or memorizing a user in general, but it's about learning the patterns in the data without actually knowing who who that pattern is coming from. It's like more on the aggregated level. It's not about measuring measuring the data. And if you go back, like I think. They were like there, there has been research in like privacy safe techniques like like differential privacy, which was like which has been used by like US sensors, like in healthcare domain for a very long time to share data among different different parties in general. So those those techniques which were being researched in general were not being used in the arts industry. But now with the changes, I think it's becoming more responsive when like you use like differential privacy and like those kind of techniques would so become more prominent and how do you do machine learning on encrypted data so that data is encrypted you don't know But can you can you extract patterns because it's all about extracting those patterns not necessarily remembering who the user is and identifying some users so I think that that's where I think the industry is moving also more towards like secure computations between different parties like advertisers and the media providers so I think that's I think having regulations, more restrictions, and that's going to grow, grow both like ads industry with with privacy at heart. So I think that that's a good change in that respect. And also I would say like these research have been going for a long time. And I think it's just that these are now getting applied to ads products, which, which is I think a good time in that perspective. And then like federated learning where you're like Computing everything on the device, not like I think that's being used like by keyboards already in general, but now like those going into the ash domain. I think mean, some products might change in the way they are working, but then eventually I think everything is happening for a good reason.
0: Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. No, I think there's a lot of it's going to be a lot of big changes, right? We've already seen a lot in the, in the last couple of years, but I think we're only at the precipice of that. So um it's going to be interesting to see how. Uh, you know, it, it changes as we go. And, and in general, right, like, I think, you know, privacy is becoming more of a sticking point for platforms, right, where it's uh, something they have to really consider when they're building out their new recommendation systems, or or just in general throughout the platform. So when you think about recommendation systems from where they are, you know, where they were, where they are today, and, and, and to where, you know, they're becoming a little bit more privacy-centric, how do you think they're going to evolve like what do you think the big differences that you see are going to be
1: so i think one thing is like recommendation systems will evolve to focus more on generalization in some sense and less on memorizing a particular user which is like trying to and this will also help in like in being more fair reducing biases in your data sets so it's like from both directions it's going to help in generalization capabilities in general and one thing is we need to. Think about privacy as something that's integral part of in general and new solutions should evolve that respect user privacy the way they want it to be and at the same time i think they still need to connect people and businesses in a meaningful way so now there are techniques like instead of looking at individualization of the data you look at more aggregated generate those patterns i think those those are the techniques like that are going to evolve in general like how do you learn on aggregated fashion and industry has been working on those problems for some time so it's not like unsolvable problem it's about how do you connect those things together and make it like make it work in general and and also you need to focus more on what the user is sharing with you and what they're doing on your platform in general to learn learn those patterns in general not realize like relying on things that that are being shared across apps so i think that that sharing is going to probably get reduced but sharing in more in an aggregated manner, not in a direct manner. So I think some part of the business would change, but I think that would be like make it more stronger in general. Right.
0: Right. That makes sense. Well, you know, not talking about some of your other experiences, you know, you, you know, you also worked at Pinterest, of course, but you've also worked on Netflix in the past. Uh, and and one of the things that's all really interesting there is that you were part of the computer vision team that was automating quality checks. Um, but you know it's it's really interesting because Netflix has you know so much different content, and um, I I just you know I wanted to figure out like what kind of quality checks were you looking for, and and how do you do, how did that help Netflix?
1: Yeah, I think I would say like I think Netflix, my manager at Netflix, he was quite a visionary guy in general. Like when I was signing up, I was not sure like what, what what's the use of this in general, right? Like when I ended up Netflix I think the the task was this right Netflix also owns a studio in general so the task that they wanted to solve was like when you shoot a movie you have a lot of equipment a lot of a lot of like cameras microphones that are on the scene when you shoot and you, you might capture them but when you're editing you need to remove all of these equipment, and sometimes in some videos you might forget to remove them or they're just there and then people find it later so so the task there was like, can you identify like microphone speakers in, in a scene and then just automatically tag them so that you know, okay, these scenes need to be removed or edited out. So that's like the process where like machine learning was helping them to speed up their post editing in general so that they, they know and have those quality checks. And apart from that, I think there are a lot of these things that were happening in the team, like subtitle placements. Like you don't want to place a subtitle on the face of a person. So that like you want to probably place it at a different place in the screen. So those are the things I think that are pretty, pretty like visionary. I I imagine that in general that that they would be doing if just looking at the product. But yeah, I think, think things are as simple as that. I think there's a bit of machine learning going behind them in general to bring those experiences to people.
0: Right. No, that makes sense. And I have um yeah, I have some friends who, you know, who make films. So <laughs> if there's ever, if this, I, I, I'm i sure it's uh, internal facing right now, but if it ever becomes public, uh, you know, they'd be very happy to, to use that. Um, and I, I think in general, it's very interesting seeing how many uh, new technologies that are coming out for film and, and just, you know, throw entertainment. But, uh, you know, one of the ones that was very interesting to me was um, in all these new dubbing companies that have come out. Um yep. and I think uh, I forget the name of the company, but there's a company that basically allows you to translate any of your films into different languages. So, you know, mm-hmm. if you want, the speaker can speak in English, of course, they can film in English, but then from there it can be like Spanish, Hindi, yep. uh, German, whatever. So it's it's it, there's some really interesting stuff coming in the entertainment industry and I think uh some of it will be stuff we can see more transparently like at uh, the languages some of them will be more hidden like yep. you know editors being able to edit out microphones and and you know starbucks cups and stuff <laughs> outside of the scenes so uh it'll be, it'll be really interesting to see um and yeah i know you know i gotta i gotta ask you this question because you know it's 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 a hot topic right now but uh you know of course machine learning and ai are very broad but you know we right now always just want to talk about generative ai and um and, and any of the implications that that has, and I think we sort of touched on some of, some of the you know different benefits NLP can have, would sort of go hand in hand. But um, what are your what are your thoughts on generative AI, and 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 where do you, you believe the future lies in, with this technology?
1: Yeah, I think yeah, as you said, I think the field has been preparing it for a long time in general. There are a lot of building pieces going in, but it's good to see like it being applied to products and people using it in generative AI and. And I can see immediate benefits coming out of it in general, like, like for summarization, I think it's a very perfect tool, like if you have text, you want to summarize it, write it differently. And someone like, for me, taking English is not the first language, so I think it helps me to better write documents in general. So I think those are like, like you don't want to write everything from that, but let's say if you want to edit, I think those are good good, good solutions in general. And, and I feel like there are things around speech, as you mentioned, right? Like creating speech in different languages, earlier it's difficult to scale, now i think the technology is at a point where the quality is good enough in general you don't need to question the quality a lot there's still some gaps but i think the quality is getting to a point that you can okay does this, this make sense and then i think also i'm seeing like a lot of like i think there's a lot of like focus i think around like nlp but it's also around vision in general how do you content like generate visual content so i think that's like a new new thing in general like not necessarily limit yourself to one modality mm-hmm. but use NLP vision combination to get to a point where you can use them so I think it, it it comes with great advancements and it's like it's backed by research in general and a lot of research is happening but I would say it's not only about like advancements in the algorithms but like a lot of how do you collect the labels how do you generate that data sets and then how do you train those models so like different fields coming together in some sense and if I look back like in 2018, people were using LLMs so or like kind of style of training only for let's say NLP domains, but now they have been going into vision, like recommendation system is also using like sequential modelings and things that I was doing with tutoring systems. We didn't have that idea, but now those things like are being applied to different fields. So I can see like different fields coming together in some sense, like applications being built together on all of those. But I think that that's like good good advancements. But then also I think there are some ethical considerations that people need to have. So I think with this, I feel like probably technology is advancing faster than probably the ethical considerations at this point. <laughs> but I think that will connect at some point. I think I think the law would and, and those ethical and policy makers, I think they would catch hold of it. And I think those things would connect to remove the fear that people might have. But I think I think this is a fundamental like progress in my opinion and i think i think that that's something that brings value and i think that should keep going but you need to be just addressing the ethical concerns that are regarding it and i think that that's going to happen and also like some things might change like the way you work like with copilot and like auto coding like some things might change that might bring fear to people like is is the jobs losing and stuff but i think it's about like upscaling, keep upscaling yourself. Like the way things are being done might change, but it's not that. Like You can you can upscale and use legalized tools to speed up and probably remove like the repetitive task and make things stronger in general. But, yeah.
0: yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. I think um, it's very interesting. It, it went from like a research problem to, still a research problem, but also a product problem now. And I think that's what I've seen is that we have the you know we have the apis we have the access to the technology now but what is the actual products that are going to come out from the technology that's what's really interesting um and that's why you know when it comes to like my two cents is when it comes to generative ai i think there's a lot of potential there and i'm very excited about it uh but at the same time i feel like a lot of the use cases right now are very like they're good but a lot of them are like still requiring um more in-depth conversations in terms of if this will actually you know it's actually oh one second sorry Sorry, so you can hear me yeah okay i'm just going to write this down so i can edit it out (laughs) um yeah but uh going to where i was saying um but i think yeah a lot of you know a lot of the work that's going to have to be done is like okay we have technology but how do we actually make it useful for people um and 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 i think in general like you know the second point you mentioned there i i think you know with the ethical ethical considerations to be honest cards on the table i feel like we've always reacted to technology as it comes and 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 start figuring out how to you know make laws and and the ethical considerations around it but i i think this concern that people have about jobs being replaced is, is legitimate in terms of uh, we won't need as much manpower, but at the same time, I don't see full replacement uh, yeah. of, um, of of humans with AI because, you know, yeah. I think even then there, the the future I see is AI can assist humans to uh you know to to create new things a lot easier, uh, but complete replacement I think is out of the domain so or for now at least so. Uh, it'll be interesting to see it'll be interesting how it evolves but um there's a lot of you know interesting things coming out and it's been an interesting hype cycle
1: <laughs> yeah and i think also i think the human creativity would evolve in a different direction and i think that's like combination would make things better in general and i totally agree that it won't replace things It just like some things might change and you need to adjust for those changes in general like,
0: right i think right. things
1: would be more more seamless
0: right makes and, sense
1: and I think one thing I'm seeing, like at least these techniques, right? Like I think they have scope to change like healthcare in a big sense. Like that's what I'm also excited about. Like in drug discoveries, patient care, and like also like, something like diagnosis. I think that's where I think you have tons of data, but like how do you, how do you make sense of it? So I think those things would see like more, like more direction through these techniques to in general. So like excited about like, even if I look back at COVID-19, which was a hard, hard time for everyone, but like, the way vaccinations were rolled out that was pretty pretty good in general like the timing and, and in that perspective i think more AI driven progress in healthcare would be interesting to see
0: yeah no that makes sense um but yeah no just you know it, it's i think it's been a great conversation and to to wrap it up you know i know one of the things you also do on the side is uh you know you're looking to seed investments so it's always interesting to see uh what different people's investment theses are the spaces that they're really excited about and 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 what they're focusing on so for you you know like what is what is that like what are those different fields and
1: that uh and that
0: thesis that you have for your investments
1: yeah I think I'm mostly like I think education is like something that close to me in general like I started doing tutoring systems around that time but I would like to like still keep connected like using ML in education so that's where I'm Mostly interested in the other two main is like ad tech and ML platforms because that's where my experience is, and I can I can see like what's going on and add value. And one way I like 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 investments in like startups. I think it gets me more connected to what's happening more widely in general in the field. Like you get to know, okay, this is like also what's happening, and it gets me connected and pushes me in a way that I can see how the industry is evolving at being at more closer to, to the work that's going on in startups. I think that keeps me motivated in some sense, but in terms of like investments, I think, I think the team and execution matters the most. So I think looking at the right team, like team in general and whether they have executed in the past or they have enthusiasm or like that execution and background in some, some domains, you need the background too, but like, but do you have that execution that you can bring it? Because I think ideas are all there in general. <laughs> some of the ideas have been tried previously might not work, but it's not that much about the idea in general, but like the execution and the network that you have to, to make that happen. And I think that's right. like critical for success.
0: Totally, okay, makes sense. Well, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast, Ayush. Before I let you go, I have two last questions. Uh, the second last one being, is there a book that you recommend us reading or checking out? I think one book that I
1: really like is like by Scott Adams, like it's some called like like How to Fail at Everything and Still Win Big. Like he's like author of Tilbert comics. I think that's a book. I think it's about like how, how you can learn from your failures, and I think he had multiple failures, and how you can learn, keep learning, and then you you might get success eventually. So I think that's like one thing that I really like. And like
0: people might like to read but yeah okay awesome yeah i will add that to my reading list uh it's ever growing so i gotta i gotta really start on it but mm-hmm. honestly like i <laughs> i think i gotta start doing audiobooks uh i i uh, i always just you know end up reading the first half of the book really well and the second half yeah. is hard to keep continuing but yeah anyway uh that's that's besides the point um but the last question i have is you know what what can we look forward to what's next for you and and pinterest as a whole
1: yeah, I think at Pinterest, I'm still like working on the domain of privacy, trying to push the boundaries of like privacy and recommendation system, hoping to hoping to have a good balance there in general. So like that. So I think Pinterest ads are still growing. Like I think, I think the good part is Pinterest. I think the the teams are still very small in general, so we look forward to increasing the connection between advertisers and pinners in general. So excited about that.
0: Okay. Okay, awesome. Well, once again, I use thank you so much for coming to the podcast and for anybody listening. Thank you so much for tuning in and until the next one, take care and see you later. A lot of people have been asking me what I use to do my podcast and I'm happy to say that I use Zencaster. Zencaster is awesome because it's an all-in-one platform that allows you to have all the tools that you need from distribution to recording all-in-one platform. And so whether you want to record on the platform, or you want to distribute to Apple Music and Spotify, and you can do that all through Zencaster. It's also really easy to record a podcast with Zencaster because it's available on the browser. And the best thing about it is you actually get studio audio quality from those recordings, because Zencaster records the audio into the browser and then uploads to the cloud, so you don't have to necessarily worry about your mic not being as good as you see in some video calls online. So if you want to get started with Zencaster today, be free to go to Zencastr.com pricing, and use my offer code, DavidG for 30% off your first paid month. I'm really excited to see all the stories you guys share using Vencaster.